The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. There are winners and losers in every game, and no one knows this better than politicians. Uh, joining me to preview what we can expect for 2024 in the Doyle is a broadcaster, former minister, seasoned political pundit, and now co-host of the podcast Path to Power with Matt Cooper, Ivan Yates. Ivan, good morning. Good morning, Pat. How are you? You've added another string to your bow. Oh, well, uh, the situation is 2024 is exceptional. Since 2020, we've only had one bare by-election in Dublin Bay South, Ivana Bacek won. So uh, we're going to have the mother of all elections, not only Trump and Biden, not only Keir Starmer coming to power, but we're going to have four elections in Ireland. We're going to have the local elections, electing almost a 1,000 councillors. We're going to have the European elections, now 14 MEPs up for grabs, the Uderos elections, and, of course, the big imponderable. And over Christmas, the thing that will be debated most by ministers is when to hold the general election. Now, the one certainty is they won't wait till this time next year after Christmas because in January 20, it was generally believed... January blues, credit card bills from Christmas, hangover, the coldest weather in the year. The incumbent government gets it in the neck. So Leo will not allow it to go, I would think, beyond November 24. But there is the intriguing possibility that they've looked at all the tactics, they've looked at all the strategy, and I think the Finnegano top brass believe that either a coincidental election in the first Friday in June or in March, would suit them best. OK, that's an old Moore type of prediction, isn't it, uh, Ivan? Uh, an early election, uh, long before they need to um, perhaps leave office. Uh, and I'm wondering how many people are feeling they can't be returned, they won't be returned, and therefore you hang on as long as you can, uh, versus Leo, who will have a go. Well, first of all, they've agreed amongst themselves to have five budgets. So that's a reason to certainly go in October. But the thinking for an early election is all about the elephant in the room, which is Sinn Féin. And the feeling is that, first of all, they left 12 seats behind them in the last general election in 2020. They got 24.5% of the votes. They got the most votes, but they didn't get the most seats because they simply uh, had 12 seats that their number twos elected Greens, Sock Dems, other independent candidates, whereas if they'd run two candidates, they would have got it. So the thinking is that what would ideally suit Sinn Féin is they did really badly in 2019 in the local elections at 9%. So say they got 27%. They could go from 80 councillors to 240. They would have poll-topping councillors, which would be plump turkeys to vote for in terms of an autumn election. If you don't, and with the dual mandate, councillor wannabes can't run for the dole. If you actually do it at the same time, Sinn Féin could have a repeat problem of a, sur- a shortage of candidates. OK. Um, Mary Lou Fertichuk, what say you? Well, I, I would say this. I did detailed work on when the constituencies were, were redrawn. And if you took the opinion poll at that time, we call it the 1st of October, and we go from 160 seats to 170 seats, at that moment in time, it looked to me like Sinn Féin getting a bounce on 34% of the vote at that time, they've gone down the polls, 70 seats. Fianna Fáil, 35 seats. Fine Gael, 
particularly due to the number of retirements, which we can discuss in detail, 35 down to 25. I think the Greens could go down to two. The Labour could go down to zero. The SOC Dems could get 10, 12. Uh, people before property and aim to, and those independent six. And I'm predicting that there would be at least 24 rural independents. And I think whenever the boxes are opened right across Europe, when they're opened, the voters will have spoken about open borders and the migration issue. They mightn't articulate it elsewhere, but I think they will find candidates to vote for. And therefore, the, I think the biggest reason why Sinn Féin have gone down in the polls since then is that actually they've been outflanked on the migration issue in working class areas, in inner city areas. And I know they're very afraid of that. Now, I remember we spoke before about the prospect of a Sinn Féin-led government and uh, you were talking about putting together a coalition of Fianna Fáil, uh, Fianna Gael and the Greens, uh, how tough a job that is. But putting a left-wing assembly together that would have 85-plus uh, seats would be an even harder task. Has that changed? Yeah, I, I think if things remain where they are in the polls... The choice will be, so my view is that Fine Gael's problem is once you're over a dozen years in power, whether you're Tony Blair, Maggie Thatcher, uh, Bertie Hearn, you, unless you're in China or unless you're in Russia, your time is done. In other words, that, and, and I think the Tories will have this problem. If Leo gets up and says, I'm going to do this about housing or health or education, say, mate, you've had 12 years to do something about housing, health or education. And it's, a, it's an unwinnable war. I think Fine Gael, privately, uh, are looking to rebuild in opposition. Uh, they had 75 seats in 2011. And they've been in government since 2011. And it can be very attritional. And it can actually institutionalize ministers where they think that's normal life, uh, where it isn't. So I think the idea that Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil are going to go together again is not a slam dunk. And therefore, I think it's either, if, if Sinn Féin don't do as well, they will need Fianna Fáil. I think Fianna Fáil learned in the 2020 election. They got less votes and less seats in than they did in 2016. Confidence and supply went on so long that they were actually joined at the hip with Fine Gael. And so when they said, oh, we're against what the government have done on health or education, they said, hold on, you propped them up for four years. Mm. It went on too long. So I think part of the conclusion for Fianna Fáil is they're a party of government. They do best in government. They can deliver in government. Uh, and, and therefore, I think a lot of people uh, in the backbenches and maybe outside of the leadership of Fianna Fáil, would actually be quite comfortable with a SF-FF government. Mm. Other people might feel they'd be a mug garden at the end of the party. But what I'm saying is, if, if Sinn Féin don't do as well, they will definitely need Fianna Fáil. If they were to do 70-plus, they could actually form a very radical left-wing government, which could certainly spook the horses. Mm. Now, the, the question of the leadership of Fianna Fáil that you mentioned there, Micheál Martin has set his face against uh, Sinn Féin, saying that, you know, a lot of the things they stand for, he certainly does not stand for. He also maintains his party does not stand for. And I know, you know, politics is the great game of uh, pragmatism, but it would probably make Micheál Martin's situation just unacceptable to him. Like, does he really want to be punished to, to Mary Lou's Taoiseach? Yeah, I, I, I think for all the party leaders... Uh, this time next year, we may have a change of faces across the board. I think we're, we're looking at seismic change both within and between uh, the parties. If you were to ask me now who I, I think will lead Fianna Fáil next, 
I would mention um, Michael McGrath uh, as by far the most likely uh, leader. I would throw in Dara O'Brien, Dublin, a bit of the Bertie about him, pugnacious, carry the battle to Sinn Féin, and perhaps uh, then skip a generation, uh, Jack Chambers. Um, but I think that all of them um, will, will, will I, and I think that's why there's no big upheaval in Fianna Fáil, Michael McGrath have come to the conclusion, why should I have a row about the leadership when I can pick it up after the next election nice and handy? Uh, and Fine Gael? Fine Gael, I believe Simon Harris will be the next leader of Fine Gael. I think that uh, he wants it badly. And uh, he decided not to go after Leo about 18 months ago and to bide his time. And I think he is the coming force in the party. And I think that will be... But if Fine Gael have 25 seats, that, you know, it's not an enviable job, that long, hard, rubber chicken road, as PJ Mara said, back to power. So but I, I, I think he's up for that, and I, that's my sense of it. Yeah. And what about Labour? I mean, you predicted that perhaps Labour could have as little as zero seats. That would mean their party leader uh, picking up a seat in a by-election would lose hers. Yeah, uh, 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 the situation is Labour have been on about 3, 4, 5% max. Um, to get a seat in any constituency, the rule of thumb, Pat, is about 16%, one in six votes. And, and if you're under that threshold, you're actually not hanging around long enough in the count uh, to succeed. Um, I think Sinn Féin could eat their lunch. I think they've they, they, they sort of lost the working-class vote, and they were getting a middle-class vote. To give you another example, here are my own patch in Wexford. Brendan Howland had a safe Labour seat, as did Seamus Patterson, as did Dick Spring and all this. And when the main person stepped down, they tended to lose the seat. And that's another problem that Fine Gael face. You take Donegal, Joe McHugh, uh, Kerry, Brendan Griffin, and right across the country, Charlie Flanagan, Fergus O'Dowd, Richard Bruton, a lot of the votes are actually half personality, half party, and half routine, uh, habitual voting. Once you, once you invite change, it's very hard to get the shiny new penny over the line. All right, Ivan, fascinating stuff. We look forward to seeing whether or not your predictions uh, do come true, but they're very interesting and thought-provoking. Ivan Yates, thank you very much. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m on News Talk.